This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Judge Jeanine Pirro. She's the outspoken host. Judge Jeanine Pirro is dominating the headlines right now. Tunnel to Towers Foundation presents the Judge Jeanine Pirro Show. Now, here's Judge Jeanine Pirro. Welcome, everyone, to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. It is March 13th, 2022. I hope everyone's enjoying their day so far. It's always a wonderful day here in New York City. And as always, we are armed and ready to serve justice with all my great listeners here on the Red Apple Audio Network. Uh, And you know what? Even though you didn't get an extra hour of sleep last night, the good news is the days are going to be longer. And there's nothing better than days being longer and the sun keeps shining. There's so much that happened in uh, this week in America. I mean, you've got a war in Ukraine, which is pretty much 24-7 wall-to-wall news coverage on the atrocities going on in Ukraine, on the war. What is the game plan? What does Putin want? How long can Zelensky survive? Uh, And what about those oil prices, huh? They keep going up and they keep going up. But I got to tell you, the Biden administration has it all in hand. So no worries, folks. And Jussie Smollett, that dirtbag got his justice. Anyway, we're going to get to all those topics and break it all down for you here on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Plus, later on in the show, I'll be speaking with the 45th president of the United States of America, Donald Trump. It's all coming up in just a few moments here on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. But first, it's time for my opening statement. All right, folks. It appears that there is a nonstop war going on in Ukraine. The visuals are horrific. And although we've heard about wars and we've read about wars and we've seen a picture or two uh, of the casualties in war, we have never, as we are now experiencing, witnessed a war 24-7 on the news seeing pregnant women being brought out of a maternity ward uh, in a hospital that was just bombed by the Russians. And we are seeing some of the most horrific images uh, that we can imagine, a family with two children and their puppy and their little dog being killed on the way to safety. This is war, folks. This is something that we have never experienced ourselves on our homeland But it is a frightening reminder of what it would be like if we didn't have the strength and the ability to defend ourselves and if we don't have great leaders who were willing to make sure that America is protected. But, you know, as we witness all of this, we have to wonder, why did it happen? What is Putin's goal? What is Zelensky's goal, obviously, other than, you know, surviving and protecting his country? What is this? How does this end? How does this how does this come to a conclusion? How long will it go on? This is a painful reminder of the price that is so severe for war anywhere. But this week, this week, we had all kinds of problems with 
Russia, Russian disinformation. And this week, the Minister of Foreign Affairs in Russia, Sergei Lavrov, he actually comes out and they denies that they bombed the Ukrainian maternity hospital. They even call it fake news and claims it was a military object. Sergei Lavrov says Russia didn't attack Ukraine and dismisses pathetic outcry. That's a quote, a pathetic outcry over the hospital. And we've got some sound from Sergei Lavrov himself where he says we didn't attack Ukraine. We're not planning to attack other uh, countries. We did not attack Ukraine. Unbelievable, isn't it? We're seeing this with our own eyes and the Russians. And this is where we got the term, the Russian disinformation, which is they lie and accuse the victims of doing everything that they're doing. And that's how fake news is born. And, you know, Zelensky, the president, says, what kind of country is this, the Russian Federation, which is afraid of hospitals? Was it the denazification of the hospital, which is what Putin is alleging his goal is in the Ukraine? But have no worries, folks. We're sending our best to Europe to make sure that everything is taken care of. And we're sending our great Vice President Kamala Harris to Poland. And she didn't go there to announce any kind of uh, agreement or to get involved in any negotiation. She just was sent over there to basically do nothing. And she did everything that we expected her to do. And that was cackle like an idiot on the foreign stage. She fumbled through a press conference with the Polish president as the war raged, as people died, as the fallout over those jets continued to grow, and she offered her word salad. That's, a, that, that, that's her way of answering any question. Just she puts a bunch of words together that mean nothing. We will do everything together in partnership and solidarity to support what is necessary at this very moment in terms of the humanity and security needs of Ukraine and the Ukrainian people. But then when she's asked about the fighter jet controversy where, you know, Blinken says one day that, yeah, we're going to get those jets to Ukraine and then, you know, the U.S. backs off that. And, you know, she says... She says, when asked, what kind of alternative plans does the United States have to get materials to help Ukraine defend itself, especially now after you've declined Poland's offer on the jets? She says, I want to be very clear. The United States and Poland are united in what we have done and in what we are prepared to do to help Ukraine and the people of Ukraine full stop. This woman has no idea what she's talking about. And Europe is laughing at the United States for sending this halfwit on the international stage. And I want you to hear for yourself how she cackles when she's standing there at a press conference with the president of Poland. Take a listen. And I'm wondering what the United States is going to do more specifically to set up a permanent infrastructure. And relatedly, is the United States willing to make a specific allocation for Ukrainian refugees. And for President Duda, I wanted to know if you think, and if you asked the United States to specifically accept more refugees. Okay. <laughs> a friend in need is a friend indeed. <laughs> okay, I, I, I can first. Okay, so. What an embarrassment. What an embarrassment. 
embarrassment the vice president of the United States is. This woman should have gone there with all kinds of, 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 of notes and what she should say and how she can offer assistance. She had to know she was going to be asked those questions. And it's almost as though she's taking this job as though, oh, you know, I'll just get paid a few hundred thousand dollars and I'll get to go around the world because, as you know from the border, I, she's never been to Europe. I mean, this is this is very, very sad, folks. So as we go through watching this war, we have to ask ourselves, and I'm going to ask the president, the ex-president of the United States, what is it going to take to end this? You know, how is it going to end? Putin, we find out, is firing generals over the losses in the uh, Ukraine. Putin is furious. Putin is himself not in a position that he wants to be in. The war is not going well for him. And now, now the United States is in a position where because of the demand of the the American people, we're saying we don't want any Russian oil or gas. We don't want it. And it took the administration a long time to hear us, but 76% of Americans say they're willing to spend more on gas if it helps the Ukrainians, the Ukrainians. So now we've got a president of the United States, Joe Biden, who's looking around the world and trying to figure out where he's going to get gas from. And instead of turning to the United States, where we were energy independent and we were next net exporters of gas and oil, the president says, well, I think I'll go to Venezuela. Well, how can you go to Venezuela, Mr. President? You don't even recognize that government. Who, uh, you, you, you don't recognize Maduro. You recognize his opponent. You're going to go to Maduro with hat in hand? And the president is calling the Saudis. They won't even call him back because he's done nothing but trash the Saudis. So what is the president going to do? He's going to Iran. You know, that terrorist state that every day chants death to America, death to uh, Israel. And now... He's going to create, he's going to make a nuclear deal with Iran that's even worse than we could have imagined so that we can get gas and oil instead of allowing for the free-flowing gas and oil in the United States. But I want you to listen to uh, President Biden himself just a few months ago when, you know, he said he was doing everything he could to bring gas prices down. Take a listen. Now, gas prices are coming down. More than 10 cents a gallon nationally. Gas prices in 21 states now are at their historic averages before the pandemic. Historic averages. That's good news for Americans hitting the road this week. So the president says he'll be able to bring gas prices down 12 cents and they're going to come down even more. He didn't because he wouldn't. He put a moratorium on new drilling leases of federal lands. He stopped the XL pipeline. He's got an administration that is ideologically hostile to fossil fuels. He shut down exploration in Anwar. And, you know, instead of increasing the supply of, of oil, where, where the price automatically then comes down, you know, he is at his happiest when he can go beg totalitarian dictators like Iran who want nothing more than to get a nuclear weapon uh, to give us gas. This is a gang who can't shoot straight. And the gas prices, of course, according to Biden, are going up because of Putin. That's ridiculous. 
the gas prices were going up, he said, yeah, because of the pandemic. And then it was because of the supply chain. And now it's because of Putin. And who knows what it's what the next reason is going to be. And then the energy secretary, another clown, she laughs her way through an energy question. And when she's asked, we need more supply and what are you going to do about it? She laughs. She says, oh, would that I had a wand. You know what? This is this is a sad commentary on where we are in America. We've got the ability to drill. We don't drill. We've got the ability to be energy independent. And because of the Green New Deal, this administration doesn't want to do it. This administration wants everyone to go out and buy electric cars, even though most people can't afford electric cars. And in the meantime, we'll rely on countries that hate us, that seek our demise and destruction. But that's what you get with Joe Biden and the clowns in the Biden administration. And that's my opening statement here on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Never forget, join the Tunnel to Towers Foundation on its mission to do good in honor of America's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. And up here next on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show, we will be speaking with the 45th President of the United States of America, Donald Trump. It's all coming up right here on the Red Apple Audio Network. This is the Judge Janine Firo Show. This is the Judge Janine Firo Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Firo. Welcome back to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. Joining us now is the 45th president of the United States of America. Please join me in welcoming Donald J. Trump to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Mr. President, thanks so much for being with us this morning. There's a lot going on in the world. I want to start with Ukraine uh, and the back and forth over sending uh, uh, jets to Ukraine or getting them from Poland, the MiGs, and then getting them over to Ukraine. It appears that this administration is fearful of Vladimir Putin and his designation of uh, our entering into the war, depending on how he feels that particular day. Well, I think the administration is snake bit, and they have for a long time, because this is a war that should have never started. We shouldn't be going through what we're going through. All these people dying and viciously dying. And and it's uh, just so so sad to watch because it was so unnecessary. This would have never, ever happened under the Trump administration. And now they don't know what to send, what not to send. I was the one that sent the tank busters, as you know. I was the one that sent that. They sent blankets. They were talking about Obama and Biden sent blankets. And I sent the tank busters. But. Uh, I was the one, the javelins, they call them, and uh, the stingers for the planes. I was the one that sent the equipment, and without that, they wouldn't wouldn't have had a chance. And now they're fighting hard, but our country has not been of much help. Well, what what about the fact that it appears that, you know, Putin decides that if we send certain planes uh, uh, beyond the MiGs that, you know, it is a declaration of war? What, how is it that he is able to cow this administration so that they're fearful of even doing their nuclear exercises for fear that he might see that as a uh, a declaration of war by the United States? Well, and then Biden keeps going out and talks about them as a nuclear power. 
He should be saying we're a nuclear power and uh, we should not play games with it. He'll say that we can't do this, we can't do that. Why, they are a nuclear power. Well, we're a nuclear power, too. In fact, I rebuilt our entire nuclear arsenal. I hated doing it, but for just this moment, you need that. And we have brand-new weapons. We've renovated our weapons. They were 45 years old. The people didn't even know if they worked. Now we have the best in the world. And, you know, spent a lot of money, a lot of time on it. And I hated doing it, but we had no choice. Well, there is peace through strength. Obviously, I mean, if we've learned anything from history, but could this have been avoided? Could this whole thing have been avoided? Should have never happened. And Putin knew with me. I knew him very well. And uh, Putin knew with me that he can't do it. I told him, can't do it. Uh, don't do it. What? What, what is Putin's statements that I'm not going to go on now? I will tell you maybe at some point, but. I'm not going to go in now, but he knew that he couldn't do it, and he wouldn't have done it. He absolutely wouldn't have done it. He's lost respect for our country. He's lost a lot of respect because of, I believe, the incompetent withdrawal. The way they withdrew from Afghanistan was so bad. And I think he sat back, and President Xi sat back, and they watched it. And even now, they're not doing the right thing. You have people in Ukraine that are starving. We could get food into them. You have cities right now they are starving. They've been totally cut off, and we're just not doing anything. We're doing, I guess, as little as possible. And, you know, there's a side that says that's okay, but you got to get food into these people. We have a lot of people that are starving to death. They have no water. They have no food. Well, you know, the sad part of all of this, and I think it was a turning point, was when they hit the the maternity hospital. I think that's when everybody kind of stood up and said, uh, you know, this is this is unacceptable. And now the U.N. says there are credible reports of cluster bombs. Uh, You've sat with Putin. You know what the man is like. What is he looking for? Well, I think he was looking to take him over in two days, and that hasn't worked out. Well, so I think he's right now very much cornered. And, you know, when somebody's cornered, they react one of two ways. They give up or they do things that are far worse. And, I, you know, he's got a big ego. I, again, I know him very well. And I think it's hard. What's going on now is hard. I understand he's gotten rid of a lot of his generals. Uh, he had that ridiculous right. 40 miles of tanks and other things. And a lot of them were shut up by the javelins that I was able to right. get to. Ukraine. And I think he's embarrassed because this was supposed to be over in two days. And this well, is not over. This this may never be over. This is the Judge Janine Pirro Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Pirro. Welcome back to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. With me today is the 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump. Well, and that's the question. I mean, what is what is Putin ultimately looking for? Is he looking to claim the Donbass area or is he looking to take half of Ukraine and make it like a Berlin? I mean, what do you think his goal is? The problem is he's so far in that almost any deal he makes is going to make him look bad. He's gone so far in. And, you know, many of these cities have been practically leveled. Right. You've got to rebuild all these cities. You're talking about trillions of dollars. The damage has been done, but he's so far in, he could have made an okay deal just prior to the war. He could have made a deal and would have saved face for himself, could have done something. But, you know, they were looking to do something. But nobody ever thought that uh, this was going to happen. Would have never happened, should have never happened. Uh, Putin is in a 
very bad position in many ways. Now, he'll continue to go forward and continue to get more and more ruthless. And you mentioned the bombs, but they also talk about the gas bombs like they used in Syria. These are horrible, horrible bombs. When they go, when they, when they're detonated, there is, they're just violent. They take them out. The lungs start burning. People die Mm -hmm. a, a horrible death. And they're talking about that too. So there are, Things that he can do that, I mean, there are signs of them already, but there are things that he can do that are unspeakable that maybe he'll do. Look, I, you know, it's very hard for him to give up or it's very hard for him right now to negotiate anything. Very well, hard. is that because he wants to save face or be, what, what do you think he thinks? Well, largely the- because of that. I mean, it's hard for him. He wants to save face. He's got to. A tremendous ego, and he wants to save face. He never thought this could happen. He never knew that his tanks were going to be blown up routinely as they drive down a, an area. You know, look at these tanks. These are powerful machines. And and then you see them getting blown to smithereens. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty amazing, actually, Janine. And what? he never thought this was going to happen. He took a long time getting ready, and, and they also were getting ready. And you know, they're good fighters. The Ukrainians are good fighters. And very interesting when you when you look at their longer-term strategy, they're giving rifles, good rifles. They're giving these rifles to potentially millions of people so that, you know, you have 47 million people. And if you take a million of them or two million, they could certainly handle rifles. So you're going to have a two-million-person army in there once, even if they got through and made some progress militarily, you're going to have all these people with rifles. It's going to be very, very hard taking over that country. And they have great spirit. Right. Well, you know, and that's the whole point, that even if Putin gets in there and takes over uh, Kiev in the next maybe 48 hours, he seems to be surrounding it. I mean, you're going to have an insurgency. The Ukrainian people are tough. They're fighters. Uh, and, you know, can Russia occupy that area? Can they afford to? I mean, economically, uh, aren't they hurting right now? Yeah, not the way it's going, they can't. Uh Everyone thought they'd go in very quickly, they'd occupy and put it back into Russia like the Soviet Union. They wanted to rebuild the Soviet Union, with a, probably with a different name in all likelihood. But they wanted to build, rebuild the Soviet Union. And that's what this is all about to a large extent. And then you right. say, what's the purpose of this? They had a country. You could see it was a country where there's a lot of love. And, you know, we're doing it because somebody wants to make uh, his country larger or he wants to put it back the way it was when actually it didn't work very well. And it's just a terrible situation. So many people are dying. So many people will never recover from what's taken place over this two-week period. And he's not doing well. He was going to walk in. He was going to take it over very quickly. They were going to march in and just walk right through. And they got bogged down. And, you know, the the javelins have been brutal because they've been knocking out these tanks and clogging up the roads and, stopping the caravans and you know they have a 40 mile caravan it couldn't move well you know this what's amazing what bargained for. mr president what's amazing to me is you've got this 40 mile caravan that that's barely moving it's amazing to me that there isn't any way to just take out the caravan i mean they're like sitting ducks there uh well i've been surprised also uh, i actually uh, i gave them some ideas 
I've been very, very surprised that they haven't taken it yeah. out in its entirety because now it's already broken up. You know, they're breaking it up right. into smaller sections. It makes right. it more difficult. But, you know, for a week, for a week and a half, you had a 40-mile caravan that was stuck. And I'm a little surprised they didn't wipe it out. They hit it pretty hard, in all fairness. Well, you know, I'm under, I'm hearing, Mr. President, that some of these uh, tanks, they're out of gas, and they're sub-zero temperatures right now. It's getting yeah. very cold there. That those yeah. tanks can literally turn into a uh, into a refrigerator or freezer. And if there's no yeah. gas and they've got no food, I mean, they literally are sitting in a freezer. The Russians. It's very cold. Now, Russia has always used cold to its advantage. Napoleon, his army froze. Germany, their army froze because they went in and they didn't make it. In this case, the one thing I can say is you're going to be getting warmer as opposed to colder. Uh, they didn't make it because they missed that little window of opportunity, pretty big window. But Napoleon's army froze, as you know, and uh, Germany, they won by freezing. But right now, freezing is not helping uh, the Russians. So... Is there anything is there anything, Mr. President, that Zelensky could have done differently or should have done differently? Was this all about NATO? Well, I think that what happened is that uh, he really reacted well under pressure. You know, I had a very good experience with him because with Mm -hmm. the fake impeachment, he backed me 100 percent. He said Trump did nothing wrong. The president did absolutely nothing wrong. So I had a very, you know, he could have said, oh, I felt threatened or some nonsense. <laughs> but there was no threatened from that call. It was ridiculous. It's just another Democrat hoax. But so I had a very good experience with him. He said, no, there was nothing done on that call that was wrong. There was nothing inappropriate said on that call. That so- was a very good thing to him to say. It was the truth. But that was a very nice thing of him to say. And he didn't have to say it, but he did. So I had a very good experience with him, and I think he's doing an incredible job. Of, but you but know, with should he have done anything differently? Could he have done anything differently? Well, he was trying to get people to do things. I mean, again, I did a lot because I gave them a lot. I gave them a lot of weapons. But uh, that stopped with Biden. And now you see they don't even want to give the airplanes, the old Polish airplanes. The MiGs, they right. They call them the Soviet-era airplanes. Right. And they don't want to do that. You know, it's sort of weird because they give them javelins. They give them other things. But for some reason, they think that airplanes are a step too far. Well, that's because Maybe Putin draw, drew the Poland line. Putin but, drew the line. You know, he said that's an act of war. Yeah, well, they say that. But, you know, but in the meantime, we give drones. We give a lot of other things. And that's not an act of war. And they're more effective than a 40-year-old airplane. How does this so, all end, Mr. President? Uh, nobody knows, should have never started, most importantly, because all those people that are dead and destroyed uh, and all that those those incredible places that are just destroyed mm-hmm. buildings, historic buildings. But, uh, Janine, nobody knows, but uh, Russia is not doing well. And, and frankly, look, Ukraine is, how do you recover from something like this? Their mm-hmm. cities are knocked down and obliterated, and it's going to continue. Just something that should have never started. And let's talk about what Xi Jinping is thinking now as he watches the United States essentially cower to whatever definition Putin determines is an act of war. Uh, and uh, what is he thinking now? It's good for me now. I'll go take over Taiwan. Well, it's a double thought. So originally, I think the first few days he would have said uh, he's going to do it. 
And I think he probably will anyway, because he watched the the Afghanistan Mm -hmm. debacle. But but uh, originally he was going to do it. Now he's looking at the problems that Russia's had in, you know, that it's not that easy. In other words, doing it is not that easy. Now, you're talking about a much bigger country. You're talking about, uh, you know, a, a tremendous power. I think it would be harder in a way harder for Taiwan. Yes. Than it is for Ukraine. It would be harder to escape the jaws. But I think he is looking at the kind of resistance that's being put up and saying, well, wait a minute, maybe I'll slow it down a little bit. I think that a week ago he was all ready to go. It was going to be after the Olympics. So the Olympics is gone. But I think he's watching what's happening with Russia. And maybe he's saying this might not be such a good idea. And by the way, Taiwan's watching also. Right. You know, it's, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of tricks being learned right now that, haven't been thought of before or certainly not not where it's on television every night. So he's watching it and he's seeing that it's not so easy. Uh, but but Putin is in a very embarrassing position right now because this was supposed to go fast, surgically, deadly and over. And that's not happening. And a lot of people, a lot of Russians are being killed. A lot of Russian soldiers are being killed. Well, you know, and I understand that uh, he's firing his uh, generals now over some of the invasion losses. But let me just segue in the last minute or two that we have uh, to the issue of oil. And uh, we obviously were energy independent when you were president. We were net exporters. uh, And now this this administration is looking to talk to uh, governments that they don't even recognize, like Venezuela, to get oil from a dictator. Uh, and and also ignoring or tra- the Saudis are ignoring them, uh, and now they want to go to Iran, which is licking its chops and saying, "Great, I'll get a nuclear, uh, I'll get a good nuclear deal out of this because they need my oil." <laughs> what a mess! And who do they have negotiating with Iran? Russia is negotiating for us. Exactly. Do you believe this? Yeah, they're sitting Russia. at the table, and right. China is helping. So we have <laughs> Russia and China negotiating a deal for the United States with Iran that should not be made. I broke that deal up because if you make that deal, Israel is going to be in big trouble. I don't think Israel can allow that deal to happen. How can they Israel. stop it? Well, they're going to have to do something because I don't think Biden's going to stop it. He wants to make the deal. If that deal happens, one of the biggest things you know, I gave Jerusalem and all of the things I did for Israel with the moving the embassy and making Jerusalem yes, the capital yes. of Israel. All these things I did for Israel. The most important thing I did was breaking up the Iran nuclear deal. Mm-hmm. And now they want to put it back in a weaker form. It's going to be even worse than the first deal they made. Mm-hmm. And also pay them billions of dollars. The whole thing is crazy. And they have Russia is negotiating the deal for us with the help of China. Can you imagine what those negotiators from Russia and China are saying? They're saying these have to be the dumbest people in the world. We can't believe it. So well, they'll dumb. make this horrible deal. They're desperate to make a deal for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And we had them in a position that if I – we look, uh, the election took place. It was a rigged election. If I won this – if I was in position right now, there would be absolutely a deal right now with Iran. They were ready to make a deal. They were so ready. Now, all of a sudden, China's buying a lot of oil. They're becoming rich again, and they're very arrogant. They don't even want to meet with the United States. But we would have had a deal within the first two weeks after the election. With whom? Easily. With 
we would have had to deal with whom? We would have had to deal with Iran. Right, right. We would have had to deal with Iran within two weeks after the election. I actually said, let's wait till after the election. They were willing to make a deal. They were ready to make a deal. It would have happened within two weeks after the election. Now they've got their mojo back. They're much richer right now. Right. China's buying massive amounts, many, many millions of barrels of oil. And it's a whole different story. Yeah, China's so stepping in now to fill f- to fill the void. It's almost like there's a realignment of global powers. Would you say that, Mr. President? Well, Iran has become much stronger because Iran now is making a lot of money with the oil. Uh, actually, Russia, you know, in many ways is mm-hmm. looking very foolish, but the price of oil is certainly helping them they you know it's the highest price ever recorded you saw the other day it's the highest price we've ever seen right so right. that probably makes up for a lot of the sins but but uh, they've got a lot of other problems there's no question about it well mr president uh we appreciate your being uh on the show this morning and uh, we thank you for your insight and uh, there is no question that uh, if you were president uh, we would be energy independent and not running around the globe trying to find oil so we thank well, you that's for true, and i'll always be on your show janine anytime you. you do a show i'm there okay <laughs> thank you thank you mr president thank you have very a great much. day thank you take care you too bye-bye the judge janine Firo show tipping the scales when all else fails this is the Judge Janine Pirro Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Pirro. Never forget, that's the commitment we made on 9-11. Honor it by donating $11 a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Okay, now is the time for me to gavel out with my closing argument. All right, you heard it from former President Donald Trump. Uh, the bombs that are being used in Ukraine, in Ukraine are extremely painful. Uh, we're talking about thermobaric bombs. And according to uh, uh, the United Kingdom, Russia has confirmed its use of thermobaric weapon system or vacuum bombs during Putin's invasion of Ukraine. The UK Ministry of Defense said Uh, this past week. And of course, a vacuum bomb disperses explosive material over a large area and then uses surrounding oxygen as fuel when it detonates and creating a a blast wave that lasts far longer than conventional explosives. And they're literally capable, these thermobaric bombs, of sucking the air out of a person's lungs, causing them to fill with liquid or causing the person's lungs to rupture or explode. Now, we shouldn't be surprised at that. Putin has done the same in Aleppo, in Syria, uh, in Chechnya. Putin is the a dictator. He is a thug. He is someone who believes that he can get away with it because, folks, he has gotten away with it. Putin has gotten away with his war crimes. He's never been prosecuted as a war criminal. He has never been brought to the uh, Hague or the International Criminal Court. This is a man who needs to be brought to the Hague, although it'll be interesting to find out how much longer this war uh, goes on. And honestly, I think it's going to go on a lot longer. If the Russians take Kiev, which is the capital of Ukraine, in the next few hours, then the question is, 
Will Russia occupy all of the areas of eastern Ukraine that it is uh, it, that it is presently in? I don't know that they have the money or the power or the stomach to do that. They can't even feed some of their uh, soldiers who are there. And apparently people in Ukraine are fighting over food. There are reports of the uh, men in the Russian tanks literally uh, freezing because they have no gas, they have no food, and now they're going into the Ukrainian uh, areas that they haven't bombed to try to uh, steal whatever food they can find. So then the question is, what is the end game in Ukraine? There's got to be a diplomatic resolution here. We can, uh, they can fight, humans can fight until we destroy each other. You know, the, the risk of NATO getting involved is one that the United States is too afraid of, given the nuclear, uh, the fact that there is a nuclear weapon on both ends, in the United States, NATO, and Russia. And this guy is in a corner. Putin is in a corner. So I think we have to figure out what does he want and how can we stop this? The Ukrainian people are strong. They're almost invincible. They are willing to fight. And if the Russians stay in the eastern half of Ukraine, which it looks like they're in right now, then there'll be an insurgency. It'll be guerrilla warfare for years. It'll be like Afghanistan. They'll just be fighting and killing each other. To what end? What is it that Putin wants? He shouldn't get anything as far as I'm concerned. But we've got to be smart and we've got to be reasonable as to how this ends to bring the end to the suffering of the Ukrainian people. And there is only one way for it to end, and that is to stop the killing. And what will it take to stop the killing? And the answer is not more killing. The answer is some kind of resolution And it's unfortunate that we're even in this situation. It's unfortunate, even according to Vladimir uh, Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, that he didn't get the weaponry he needed from the United States. And I'm not just talking about the jets. I'm talking about last fall when he asked for it, last June when he asked for it. And as recently as I think a week ago when he said it was a pity that the United States, and pity is the word Zelensky used, that the United States took so long to deliver uh, what it was supposed to deliver, what it had promised to deliver. And as a result of that, Putin is on a tear, and Putin is continuing to kill as many people as he can. Folks, this is not the way we should live our lives. This is not the way the world needs to conduct itself. But we've got to figure out a resolution. And as much as I hate it, I hate the idea of a diplomatic ending. It is the only way it could end. And there is talk that there are some channels where diplomacy is being discussed behind the scenes. We'll see if that ends. But in the meantime, our prayers go out to the Ukrainian people, to Zelensky, who has survived so many assassination attempts. I mean, this guy is unbelievable. And, you know, they can laugh at him. They can say, oh, you know, he's a comedian or, oh, he's an actor. You know what? He's got more man in him than a lot of people I could mention right now, but I'm not going to. In any event, our prayers go out to the Ukrainian people. I can't believe that we're out of time already, but there's so much that happened Uh, And there's so much that will happen this week. Thanks so much for joining me on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation on the Red Apple Audio Network. We'll see you next week, same time, same place. Keep the faith and say a few prayers. God bless. 
If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.